0: Thanks for joining The Inner Life here on this Tuesday. I hope you had a nice Labor Day weekend, whether you had to work or had that three-day weekend there. I'm Josh Raymond, and glad to have you joining us for this hour of spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And let me ask you, are you a person who finds yourself interrupting when you're talking with others? And you might not even mean it in some sort of rude way, but maybe you have thoughts that come into your head as you're engaged in some sort of vibrant conversation, and you just blurt them out without realizing that you're interrupting. Or are you quiet? Do you wait for that break in the conversation? You can be patient. You can allow the other person to finish before you speak your thoughts. I'm usually the latter. I wait for that pause before I start speaking. You know, occasionally I will cut someone off, but then I realize I've done that. I'll apologize. Sorry, go ahead. Continue with what you were saying. I just got caught up in the moment. My wife, Belen, the better she knows someone, the more likely she is to jump into what they're saying with her immediate thoughts. And she doesn't ever mean it to be rude. Rather, It's just that she is so engrossed in that conversation that most of the time she doesn't actually realize that she has actually interrupted someone. But when it comes to interrupting, I think it's children. They're the ones who do that the most. And at least for us, when it's any of our kids, they're usually doing so because they're so focused on whatever is at hand in that moment, whatever's going on in their little world, in their mind. That they're oblivious to the fact that they're even butting into that, you know, that conversation in the middle of someone speaking. And that's a difference in the way that our kids interrupt from how Belen or I or maybe you might interrupt. If we as adults interrupt, it's primarily because we are involved in the conversation. If one of our kids interrupts, it's because they've walked into a room unaware of anything that's going on except for what they have going on in their mind. If they're trying to solve or fix something, they jump into the middle of everything, into the middle of the conversation, whatever is happening. If there's something that adults are working on, doesn't matter to them. They have their problem they're trying to solve. If they're working on a task and they don't know how to proceed, their question is all they can think of. They're on that mission. They have to get the answer. They need that help and they need it immediately. Our 11-year-old, Sam, he's at an age where he's probably been the worst offender on this front in our family, and probably for about the last year, year and a half, two years. And we've tried a number of different things to try and get him to recognize when he's interrupting. We've talked with him about trying to train himself to stop. Just stop for a moment. When you enter a room, look, listen, observe, see what's happening before you open your mouth. We've also tried when... He comes in and he starts to interrupt a conversation with something that might be trivial, something that's unimportant. We've said, all right, go out of the room, wait 30 seconds, wait 60 seconds, count to 10, whatever it is, that short amount of time. Then come back in, try again, and this time just wait for the break in the conversation before you speak. And then when COVID hit, in all his classes they were all online and there was very little activity in his school day. Anytime that he'd interrupt, we'd tell him, all right, stop. Why don't you do 10 push-ups or why don't you do 20 jumping jacks or, you know, some other little brief physical fitness stint. And after that, after he did that, okay, try again, wait for that pause, don't interrupt. But the main reason that Sam actually interrupts is because he's so excited to show us something. You see, Sam, he likes to build things. He likes to create things. He's really quite talented, and it's nice to see him creating rather than just sitting there and watching a screen like so many kids do these days. And even when Sam is watching a screen, it's because he's actually creating short little videos. He'll record some one- or two-minute skit with his siblings, and then he'll edit the video. He'll add in the audio, and then he'll be running around the house, Hey, do you want to see the latest movie I did? Do you want to see the latest, latest video that I made? He makes all kinds of other things with his hands, too. A few weeks ago, Baylen and I, we'd been out at the grocery store, and when we pulled up to the house, we got out of the minivan, we grabbed some of the shopping bags, and we were talking. We were in mid-conversation as we're walking up to the door to enter the house, but then the door bursts open, and Sam is right there, interrupting again. And this time, he just jumps right into it explaining what he had done he'd taken a bunch of old aluminum soda cans and with the help of a hot glue gun he'd cut them up and made this very intricate designed replica of Tony Stark's Iron Man glove and he was wearing this on his hand he had this big smile on his face because it really did look quite amazing it was this colorful glove with it was made out of Sprite and Coca-Cola and Squirt and root beer cans and probably others And he had cut them all into these little pieces that were all glued together to make the glove. But those thin little strips of aluminum, I said, Sam, that looks so sharp and so dangerous all around your hand, your fingers, your wrist. I said, you got to take a picture and then you got to recycle it. And the most recent one that Sam interrupted regarding, this was only a few days ago when he had created a Back to the Future DeLorean out of Legos. And the car, it had the wheels that turned under the body, the way it looks when it flies in those movies. Sam, he'd made those working goal wing doors that opened and closed on the sides. And most impressively, he had done all this with no instructions. You know, most of the time when I was a kid working with Legos, I was following those little uh, uh, booklets that had the instructions on how to build the whatever you're trying to build. Outside of that, it was pretty blocky kind of creations that I would create on my own. But not Sam. He had done this all on his own, made this DeLorean, and he just wanted to show off what he had made. And that's, that's it. Sam is so excited when he comes to us with his latest creation. It's hard to get too upset at him for interrupting, because his interrupting comes from that place of being so enthusiastic on sharing something he thinks is so great. And that enthusiastic sharing, that's something that we should all have. We should have that same sort of attitude when it comes to talking about our faith, right? We have all been given this amazing gift of salvation, the gift of being united with love himself, with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So do you find yourself Barely able to contain your joy and your excitement about telling others the good news that Jesus has freed you from your sins, from your guilt, that he loves you, that he's called you to be his. Do you find yourself not wanting to wait for that pause, the right moment, but you just have to tell somebody about it? This is what we want to talk about today here on The Inner Life. We want to look at how we can be that evangelist for Christ, for his church. We want to discuss how each of us is called to proclaim the gospel message and introduce Jesus to others. And joining us as our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today, uh, making his debut, very first time joining us here on The Inner Life, Father Joe Freedy. He's a priest in the Diocese of Pittsburgh. He's the assistant director of evangelization and chaplain to the students of Oakland Catholic and Central Catholic High Schools there in the diocese. Uh, Father Joe, welcome to the Inner Life. So glad to have you here today. Now, you're a Pittsburgh priest. Uh, did you grow up there in the area, are you, or are you a transplant?
2: No, I grew up in, uh, grew up in Pittsburgh. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Real joy to be with you. Uh, I grew up in the south hills of Pittsburgh, about 25 minutes, 20 minutes right outside the city. And uh, yeah, this is where I, I went to High school here, I went to a public school in the South Hills, and then I went up to Buffalo for uh, college, and then after that I entered the seminary, I did my major theology over at the North American College in Rome, and then came back to Pittsburgh, and and this is where I've been uh, for 13 years of the priesthood.
0: Wonderful! So, thirteen, lucky thirteen year, huh? <laughs> That's true, true.
2: lucky thirteenth year. Yeah, I've loved, loved every year. It just seems to be getting better and better. So,
0: excellent, excellent. Well, good. I'm so glad to have you here on the program today. And uh, assistant director of evangelization. Uh, what does that involve there in the diocese? Uh, in your role?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a great. It's a great question. It's a new position. Um, I when i was newly ordained i i uh was a parochial vicar chaplain to a high school and then very quickly i was the vocation director and that was for about 8 years and then most recently i was a pastor of of three parishes and uh i think the bishop just kind of recognized you know what what we're all seeing which is um you know a kind of a mass exodus um from the faith at least in The church in the United States and western Pennsylvania is a particularly older. um, Allegheny County, which is where Pittsburgh is, is is the second oldest county in the country, actually. And so kind of a lot of our faithful Catholics um, are are getting older. And, uh, yeah, the bishop's just recognizing that we kind of need to pour into evangelization in a new way. And so uh, I think he's he's just hoping that this position of assistant director of evangelization um, will be a position that I'm able to go around our diocese a lot. So I'm in a different parish pretty much every weekend doing a lot of parish missions, doing a lot of, um, theology of the body talks. And we just established a, um, an adventure camp and a retreat center called our lady of Mount Carmel in the north, uh, northern part of our diocese. So just kind of a lot of different initiatives trying to, um, you yeah, know, to re evangelize, uh, Yeah, the folks of our diocese.
0: Well, and so I'm always a big fan. Uh, Anybody who's a regular listener to The Inner Life knows I like to start off with defining terms, making sure that we're all on the same page, that we know what we're talking about right out of the gate here. So when we talk about being an evangelist or about evangelism, evangelizing, what does that word mean for us? What, What actually should we take away when we hear that word evangelize?
2: Yeah, I think you were, you were just kind of talking about it in, in the little introduction. So obviously, you know, a bit, the word evangelize comes from euangelion, right? And this is, I'm getting it all from Bishop Barron, but, um, and that word is where we get the word for good news, right? And it, I, I think it's kind of fascinating. I love the story that Bishop Barron tells that when Caesar would uh, conquer different lands and he would come back into Rome or his armies would come back into Rome, he would send these people in front of him and these people were called evangelists, right? And so they're kinda of calling out to the hills, We have good news, we have good news and the people would come into Rome and say, What's the good news? And you know, what they'd be crying out is Uangelion, Uangelion, uh, gospel, gospel. And and they'd say, Caesar's conquered another land, right? And so, um I I love this as Christians, right? We uh, have often taken what the pagans have done, baptized it and made it our own and so right. um what we're saying is, well, that's, that's, you know, kind of this small thing, right? Fine, Caesar's conquered some lands. Fine, Caesar's won some more wars. We've got the definitive good news, the definitive gospel that Jesus Christ uh, came, suffered, died on the cross, rose from the dead so that we can live forever. He didn't just conquer some lands and some foreign armies. He's definitively conquered sin and death forever, which means... I have a future full of hope, as Jeremiah prophesied, right? So um, to be an evangelist is to first receive the good news, exactly what you said, that I have been saved by Jesus Christ, and I'm working out my salvation now in my life. Um, and my destiny has changed from one of darkness to light, from one of despair to hope. Um, So it's simply the announcement of the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us.
0: Now, there's also that old saying that you can't give or you can't share what you don't have. So to have our own relationship with Christ before we can introduce him to others, that is key. That relationship, as with all relationships— it has to start with interaction, with dialogue. You know, Jesus speaking to us, us talking to him, and we have to have that regular daily communication with him. We have to get to know him before we can start telling people about him. If if we don't know Jesus, we can't be that evangelist.
2: Right, yeah, and it's, it's I mean, that's straight from the gospel, right? Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So without being connected to the vine, you know, <laughs> his grace can't flow through us. And I just, I love St. Paul. He's the patron of our diocese. Obviously, you know, Pope Benedict called him the greatest evangelist of all time. I just finished a book. And, you know, I think if we would ask St. Paul, like, like what inspired you? Like, talk about a man on fire, just going from city to city, town to town, facing so much torture, so much persecution. And he he just didn't stop, right? And if we would ask, like, St. Paul, what was it? You know, it, right out of 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 he says really clearly the love of Christ impels me you know and I love it in Latin it's caritas Christi urgent nos which is the love of Christ impels us you know this this phrase that he had so powerfully encountered the love of Christ and he was so in love with Christ that it energized him it moved him so it wasn't you know Saint Paul this wasn 't just his natural zeal, you know maybe he maybe he was just a really passionate man it's like fine, but that 's not enough to send him all over the world preaching about the good news in the face of debt, constantly in the face of death. It was this encounter with the love of jesus christ that that has uh, just impelled me to go all over the world speaking about it so man, I notice in my own life um my motivations can be so different. I, I, you know, kind of recently I was just praying in a holy hour and uh, just the Lord showed me, you know, so often I kind of um, point out examples like, you know, we all long for happiness, right? And and kind of the big four that we always talk about are money, power, pleasure, and fame. Like, you know, we we believe some version of one of those is going to make us happy. And, of course, they never do, like the happiness we seek. You know as john paul would say is as a person it's Jesus Christ um and i I found like myself you know it's like the the beam in the eye and the speck in the others i I found myself going around preaching giving examples of of maybe celebrities or actors or sports figures that um were kind of living for worldly glory, and the Lord showed me like, man, that's me too like you know i'm not I'm not living for money, I'm a diocesan priest um but, but if, I, if I had to, like, rephrase Paul's words, I would, I would say, like, the love of worldly glory has impelled me. You know, the love of fame has impelled me. I, I love to hear, oh, Father Joffrey, you're so wonderful, you're so great, that was such a great homily. It's like, and I just sense that the Lord is purifying my motivations now, and I'm begging him to do that. Lord, like, I do not want to be preaching the gospel for my own glory. And I I noticed that, just to be super honest with you and everybody who's listening, I noticed that about myself. Like, uh, I don't want to be seeking seeking my own glory and using the gospel to do that. So I know that's a bit of a tangent, but um, I think the more the Lord can, the more we allow Christ to love us, that is, to encounter us and to speak his love to us and give us his love through the sacraments the more that our preaching of the gospel in whatever form that takes is purified and we can, we can really just desire his glory and, and the good news to penetrate others' hearts.
0: Our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, Father Joe Freedy, a priest in the Diocese of Pittsburgh, and we're talking about how we can share Christ with others, how we can be that evangelist in our relationships, in our own immediate community, how we can impact the world For the kingdom of God. How do you share your faith with others? When has been a time that you've had that success in talking with someone about what you believe is a Catholic? And when I say success, I don't mean that all of a sudden they converted, they became Catholic, but there was a dialogue that at least planted a seed that started them maybe down a path. And you don't know where that'll end. But at that point, again, just like Father Joe was saying, not for our own glory, for the glory of God, you just leave it in the hands of the Holy Spirit, and another question for you, if you're more of an introvert, how have you found ways to work and build that kingdom of God, to be that evangelist for Christ? Our studio line open for your call eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine triple eight nine one four nine one four nine maybe you find it very difficult to share about your faith. maybe you're in a work environment where it feels fairly hostile to being a uh, witness for Christ. You don't feel like you can talk about what you believe. Uh, again, that's why our spiritual director is here to give you a little advice, a little help on your spiritual journey, 888-914-9149. Email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll continue our conversation right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values and fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. More information at AveMariaFunds.com. Thanks for listening to The Inner Life today. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director for the hour, Father Joe Freedy, a priest in the Diocese of Pittsburgh, the assistant director of evangelization there. And today we're talking about being evangelists, how we can share our faith, share our love, our relationship with Christ, and introduce others to Jesus. How do you do that in your own life? When have you had that time that you have shared with somebody, and how did it go? And especially, as I mentioned before the break, if you're an introvert, if it's not easy for you to talk with other people, what are some ways that you've been able to evangelize? Maybe it's been through some of your actions, through some volunteer work, um, rather than in direct conversation. Our studio line, 888-914-9149. We'd love to hear how you've lived out being that evangelist in your life. 888-914-9149. Email address, relevantradio.com. And Father Joe, uh, before the break, you were talking about St. Paul, his encounter with Christ, that the love of Christ, it impels him. He had such a real encounter with Christ, such an overwhelming encounter with Christ, that he couldn't help but just carry on moving forward and sharing the good news of the gospel, that gospel message with others any place he went. And he just picked up and started traveling through most of the known world, sharing that. If we ourselves, if we've had that encounter with Christ, if we're connected to him through prayer, regular daily prayer, through the sacraments, what do you think then is the biggest obstacle to us evangelizing the community that we live in, those that are right there in our own backyard? What holds us back or what creates problems in us trying to be that witness for Christ?
2: I think, um, and maybe I'll I'll just speak from, from personal experience is uh, the, the desire to kind of avoid awkwardness or to not offend or, to just keep things on the level, like, oh, we have a, I have a fine relationship with my neighbor or something like that. Um, I don't want to bring up going to church on Sunday. I know he's Catholic. I know he doesn't go to church because it might get weird. It might get awkward. So, you know, is that the biggest thing? I, I, don't, I don't know, but it seems to me in talking with others and my own personal experience, sometimes the door gets cracked and we don't, we don't open it or we don't walk through it because of that. And and so I, I think, you know, kind of the antidote to that is first of all it's love. And and love births courage, right? There's the great story about uh, Father la Mesa, who's the preacher of the papal household and he has, you know, an audience with John Paul II before he became the preacher and, and as John Paul's leaving the audience hall, uh, Father Cries out three times, "Coraggio, coraggio, coraggio!" Courage, right? <laughs> and then John Paul says, "Like, I need to talk to that priest." So, it, it's this—it's this courage that we that we need that comes from being convicted by the love of Jesus. Um, and I—I I, I often think, you know, it—it it doesn't always mean like standing on the street corner and preaching. There's a great story in one of the parishes I was at previously of a a woman entering the church through RCIA, and she was sharing her story. And literally the catalyst that brought her back to the faith was she was in a restaurant, and a family a few tables over before they um, ate their meal, they bowed their heads, made the sign of the cross, and said, Grace. And she said that simple, they didn't say anything to her. That and she didn't know them. That simple witness triggered something in her heart, and and she said, "I I've got to come back. Like I've got to come to the Lord." And and she makes her way into the Catholic Church, and that was it. So, you know, this simple kind of witnessing that we can do. Um, I often tell people at daily mass. I, I think daily mass is just one of the ways that we can we can go from lukewarm faith to just being on fire. Um, but, you know, when, when your neighbors are sharing with you or friends or coworkers, like, yeah, just going through a really hard time, my son this or my daughter this or my grandchild, you know, just to be able to say that that's an open door to walk through. You, you know what really helps me, Sally, is is daily Mass. I, I go on Wednesdays, you know, even more than Sundays. It's, it's about a half an hour long, and I just find so much peace there. It, in other words, like, you know, I think sometimes we're so afraid of a relationship getting awkward or somebody rejecting us that when the doors open a little bit, we don't walk through it. So, yeah, I would say the, those are some of the barriers. In the simple the simple ways of evangelization, the witness in public of saying grace, when the doors open, when somebody's sharing a hard time, that you can say, you know, it really helps me. I I pray the rosary, and and I didn't start with the whole rosary. I started with a decade, or daily mass, or any of these devotions, right?
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things that, as you were starting to talk, you mentioned that word courage, that we want to have that courage. And when that door is open just that little bit, that we don't let that moment pass us by. You know, going back to St. Paul, in writing to St. Timothy, he ends up saying that God did not give us a spirit of cowardice or of fear, but rather of power, of love, of self, self-control. Being shy or not being an outgoing individual, uh, you know, I mentioned if you're an introvert, how have you uh, been able to share about your faith? Being shy is not the same as being afraid of being a witness for Christ in his church. Can you talk a little about the difference there so we don't accidentally conflate the two?
2: Yeah, it's, it's good. And you might have to clarify um, my remarks to get exactly wh- where you want to go. But um, I'm an extrovert. I'm a major extrovert. You know, if I'm alone for 15 minutes, I'm like, okay, let's, <laughs> let's move here. Um, and I still, there is still fear or, um, being afraid to share or being afraid um, of those awkward moments. So it's it's not, you know, just the introvert that might not take the opportunity. Um, I think a little bit of anxiety or fear of awkwardness can come to all of us. Um, but in a certain sense, it's okay. Like when people come to me as a priest for confession and they say, you know, they start by saying, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been, you know, two months since my confession or whatever it is. And they say, I'm so nervous, Father, to be here. I often say, like, I'm so proud of you. And God is so pleased with you. Like, because you did what we're supposed to be doing, what we're called to do, even though you were afraid. So in a certain sense, like, we we have to do a lot of things in life that we're afraid to do. We do them, or that we don't want to do, but we know is the right thing to do. So, um you know, maybe just as a little bit of um, encouragement that it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be afraid to, you know, I don't want to have this relationship get awkward or something like that. Um, so the difference between being shy and being afraid, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure, but um, maybe, the, maybe the common denominator is a hesitation to step forward. Um and if if I'm not an extrovert, then I'm not going I'm probably not going to share the gospel in the same way as an extrovert. The good thing about the gospel is like we need everybody. Like just like we look at the saints and we go, they were extroverts, they were introverts, they were sports people, they were cooks, they were chefs, they were priests, they were bishops, they were nuns, they were lay people, they were celibate, they were you know, it's like we need everyone. I, I Sorry for talking so much, but I, you're getting me all excited now.
0: <laughs> but no, go for um, it, go for it, Father.
2: I, I so I played football in college. I simply share that to share this story. Um, I was I was the fourth string quarterback. The starting quarterback transferred out. I became the third string, and and I I kind of thought I had no chance of playing because I was third string. There was a scrimmage. The starting quarterback dropped back to pass. He he tore his rotator cuff. Ended up tearing it so all of a sudden I went from fourth to third to second the very next play uh the second string quarterback drop back to pass it was now the first string he tears his rotator cuff very similar injury the coach comes over to me and I I use this story often and he looks right at me and my last name's Freedy and he says Freedy you're in like you're in and I, I I use that story as an antidote to, to be able to say I just believe that's what God says to each one of us. Like and he, and that's what He said to the saints, right? Mother Teresa sees the lepers on the streets of Calcutta and the poor, and and she says, "Boy, someone should do something about this." And God says, "Yes, yeah, someone should. You're in, you know." Like and Damien of Malachi says, "Boy, like somebody should do something about these poor lepers on this island of Malachi." And God, you know, paraphrasing both the saints and God here, but. God says, "Yeah, somebody should, you're in. And, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my own diocese, and, and this is not to kind of build my, myself up, but, um, you know, I'm kind of looking around at other places in the country that have these extraordinary camps that are evangelizing the young people. And I remember saying to the Lord very clearly, Lord, we should do that. Somebody should do something about that in Pittsburgh. And the Lord's like, yeah, you're right, you're in. So, like, um, I think about my buddy Dre, who who in a very strong way brought me to Christ. Um, And I, you know, he saw me, he said, Joe, I see a party and I see a living kind of a pagan lifestyle. I see a searching and I see a still not happy. And, uh, and let me tell you about the Lord. Let me tell you about Jesus. In a certain sense, God said to Dre, you're in like, and he's saying that to each one of us, no matter like, what our state of affairs. We look at the world and we well, what could we possibly do about all this? And and God's not asking us to change the world. He's simply asking us to be witnesses where we are planted. And and we might look around and go, Oh, young people aren't practicing the faith or you know, my neighbors aren't practicing and God's like you're in. Like you are <laughs> you are in. And I have given you like exactly what you said. I love the scripture you quoted. He hasn't given you a spirit of cowardice, but a spirit of power and knowledge and self control. Like We have the Holy Spirit inside of us just as the apostles did, just as St. Paul did. And we're able to renew the gift of the Holy Spirit that was given to us through baptism confirmation um, constantly, all the time, most especially in the sacraments. But every single day we can call on the Holy Spirit for the grace to overcome any hesitation and to be able to answer the Lord's call that that says, you're you're in. Like I need you. And, And again, just to just to kind of wrap up this long, (laughs) this long tirade that I'm going on. Like he needs introverts. He needs extroverts. He needs priests. He needs people in the workplace. He needs lay people. I often say to my people, like, I can do what you can't do, which is I can go into the schools um, and you can do what I can't do, which is go into the workplaces. So he needs us all. And he wants us all. and, And as much as we desire people to come back to the Lord and back to the faith, obviously, God's desire is infinitely greater.
0: Mm, Right, right. Our spiritual director, Father Joe Freedy, and we're talking about being evangelists, about sharing our faith, about introducing Jesus to others. How do you do that in your own life? And how have you been able to engage somebody in that conversation? Um, Father talked about, not wanting to make for awkward moments, <laughs> not wanting to have that time where we offend people. And have you, have you taken that risk of, well, I might make it a little awkward, or maybe somebody will get offended, but I'm still going to share about my faith in Christ. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, we've got Dee, Dee who's uh, holding here. And Dee, Dee, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air with Father Joe.
3: Uh, Well, thank you. Uh, Father Joe, I'm studying for a catechist uh, certificate here in Phoenix. And I would say my personality is somewhere in the middle, depending on the situation and the subject. And my question is, uh, in your opinion, what is the best approach for, for sharing the good news with children?
2: That's a it's a great question and, and first of all I'm super happy that you're that you're getting your catechist certificate. Um but I there, I think there's so many uh different ways. I know, you know, and, and depending on the age of the children, um I know my mom, I have eight nieces and nephews, so she has eight grandchildren. Um in the car, she's um constantly teaching them about the saint of the day or praying a decade of the rosary. I think in the classroom, I'm I'm a big fan of, um, catechesis of the good shepherd because it's so engaging as far as kind of engaging all the senses in the kids. I found that to be very effective where it's used here in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, it's often said that Christianity is caught rather than taught. It's, it's both. It's, it's always taught obviously, but, um, the personal witness i think is you know maybe it's it's kind of pedantic to say or you kind of ho hum but the personal witness of a of a man or a woman in love with christ is the most kind of the most effective i think that somebody looks and say what is it? you know even children what is it about that person they're so joyful you know mrs thomas is always so happy or Mr. Johnson, he just seems, you know, to be so happy about the faith and so in love with it. So of all the different techniques, and it's just such a great time to be a Catholic because we have just an unbelievable amount of resources, effective resources to be able to share our faith programmatically. I think when it comes down to it, it's, you know, maybe what we talked a little bit about before. My union with Christ uh, that sets me on fire to be a personal witness so that so that it's my witness. But then when I'm teaching, it's like, oh, father believes that or she believes that or this catechist is totally convicted.
0: Thanks for the call, Didi. I hope that helps. And uh, also want to uh, encourage anybody listening. How have you been able to be that person who shares your faith? How have you been able to share that personal witness that Father Joe is talking about? How has that taken place? Or maybe you missed an opportunity. Maybe there was a a time where you said, oh, I should have taken that chance and spoken with that person about Christ. Maybe you find it very difficult and you'd like some encouragement. Uh, some advice on how you can be bolder in your witness. Our studio line eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. We'll be back with more of your phone calls and more of our conversation here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com/forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director for the hour. Father Joe Freedy, a priest in the Diocese of Pittsburgh. Today we're talking about being evangelists, about sharing the good news that we have received through Christ, through the Catholic Church. How have you lived that out in your own life? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. I also want to mention to you, uh, we've been talking about this for the last week, week and a half or so. Relevant Radio is offering right now a completely free book. It's called Marriage Insurance, 12 Rules to Live By. And it absolutely is free. You don't have to pay for the book. You don't even have to pay for shipping. Uh, It's just something that we really want to get into your hands, especially if you are a married person, if maybe you have a son or a daughter or a grandson or a granddaughter that is looking at getting married. They're engaged. Uh, this book is written by our executive director here, Father Rocky, and it really has a lot of just practical advice on things that will make a marriage strong, things that will make it last. And again, absolutely free. All you have to do is go to relevantradio.com or go to uh, click on the banner that you'll see there at our website or on the relevant radio app and just register and we'll send it out to you here in a few weeks. Again, relevantradio.com or on the relevant radio app. And again, as we continue our conversation here, uh, discussing evangelizing, our immediate community, the world around us, trying to be those those witnesses for Christ in his kingdom, uh, Father Joe, uh, one thing that I wanted to go back to you 've mentioned a couple times we don 't want to offend anybody we don 't want to have that offensive kind of or awkward conversation there, and we live in a culture where more and more and more that word we don 't want to offend somebody. It's become. It's almost taken over in some ways. It's part of that cancel culture that's out there. And if we are going to talk about our faith, there's a good chance we're going to offend somebody because we're saying that I believe that this is absolutely true. And there's kind of this relativistic attitude out there that is pervasive in our, our society, in our culture, saying, well, that might be true for you, but it's not for me. We all need to find our own truth. That's a huge lie. And so how do we approach being able to not, not offend for the sake of offending, but being okay with the idea that, yeah, I am approaching this from a place of I love you, I want to introduce you to truth personified, the absolute truth, Jesus himself. It might offend you, but I'm okay because I'm trying to do this out of love.
2: Yeah, and it's, I think you're right. We have this culture where everything is, um, you know, everybody's offended all the time. So I, I, you know, I, I, just, just to clarify, like, I don't want, um, Jesus is quite offensive you know, in the scriptures. Like, I mean, not to not to mischaracterize the Lord, but you know, he he. And you look at John the Baptist. You look at Saint Paul himself. He, in a certain sense, he was he wasn't real concerned about um, people's feelings. You know, he was concerned about their hearts and their souls, which is the epitome of love. Um, so, you know, I think. Um, Pope Benedict talked about obviously the dictatorship of relativism. What's true right. for you is true for you, what's true for me which is true for me, which obviously doesn't hold. Um, but I think, like, I'm okay in a certain sense with you not liking me if I'm really founded in my identity that is rooted, which means when I'm receiving my deepest identity as a beloved son or daughter. Um, then I'm less dependent on others' affirmation for me to be okay, which means then I, I'm standing on the solid ground that I need in order to be okay being rejected. But if, if I'm not living from this place of my, this deep identity of being rooted and grounded in love, that is the love of Christ St. Paul talks about, um, that I'm going to be very hesitant to say anything that, that might be offensive. So I don't know. In a certain sense, it's like I, I wouldn't worry so much about offending people. Obviously, we want to always be charitable or right. you know, we're violating our own, you know, the Lord's commandments. But um, I think to speak the truth in love and to be okay with how others are going to take it um,
0: I, I also like too, Father, how you said, you know, it's okay if they, don't, if they don't like me or if they don't like what I'm saying, if they reject what I'm saying, because they're really rejecting Christ when it really comes down to it. If I'm so caught up on the fact that they're rejecting me, then I might not be coming from the best place. If I'm, if I'm upset that they're rejecting Christ then at that point, I'm probably going to go back and say, okay, how how can I pray for this person? And again, just leave it in God's hands at that point. Um, Father, we've got a lot of phone calls that are coming in. Let's go to Aldrina. She's listening in California. Hi, welcome to The Inner Life today, Aldrina.
3: Oh, hi, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. And I am a noob, uh, but uh, I honed in to your um, the station, and thank you. I just wanted to share um, to, to maximize my day at work because we all um, spend time at work a whole time of work, and I I work in the hospital. I'm a dietitian, and so I always offer the day to the Lord what I can do um, to nourish the spirit, as well as you know I talk about food and nutrition. That's for the body, and if there's a a, a slight chance that I could interject God into their lives, then that would be great. I wear a The Miraculous Medal, and I make sure that that's seen outside. And I wear a rosary bracelet, and I always bring an extra rosary. And then, um, so as on my uh, rounding and conversation with patients, the moment I ask the Holy Spirit, like Lord. The Holy Spirit guide me when I can you know share with you with these people, and then the moment they say something leading to spirituality or their relationship with the Lord, whether it's good or it's not good then i I sense that that's it that's the cue, so I always interject that one and and um for the most part, people are very hungry um talking about their um lack of faith or the need for faith or their faith um in their um, love for the lord so i i do appreciate um the topic and 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 the lord letting me allowing me to to do that um for my little um contribution to evangelize the world i have you know, they would comment on, "Oh, I have a rosary. I left it at home," or things like that. So I would end up usually like, giving a rosary or whatever I'm wearing. You know, like the bracelet rosary, I would share. And then one time, um, one of the patients was so down, and I was led to um, to to sing the Ave Maria, um, in um, in Latin, and and so that was. And I was from the Lord, definitely, and from Mother Mary, of course, and um, we both ended up crying. So um, with that, you know, I just, you know, leave the Holy Spirit um, where to lead me so that while I work, I can also, while I'm work doing something um, in the medical field, I can also do um, something to um, advance the kingdom of God.
0: Father, you know, as Aldrina's talking there, it really, I think that's such a good practical way that you can live out your faith as an evangelist. You know, if somebody is looking for help along their path, and she says, oh, yeah, you know, I have a rosary, it's at home, or, you know, uh, if she passes on a medal that she's wearing or a rosary, having those uh, sacramentals that we can pass along to somebody, that's a that's a really easy, great way where, again, you don't have to say much, just, oh, here, let me give you this, and, you know, maybe, maybe spend some time in prayer if you're really going through a difficult time.
2: Yeah, uh, 100%. I, I was, like, so... So happy to hear that, but this is happening all over the place. You know, I, I think sometimes we concentrate on, oh, the people leaving the church, and oh, and, and we can get really discouraged. And those statistics are true, but there's these, you know, what I would call like all of us are these little warriors. And you know, there's just in every city, in every town across the United States, there's there's people like that beautiful woman who just called in that is looking to spread the gospel. So. I love it. Which, what what was she doing? She's simply giving a visible witness, right, wearing the scapular or wearing a rosary, and then kind of allowing that to almost lead people in, um, and then simply sharing her faith when the door is open. My, I have a friend of mine. His name's Dave. That um, he used to be a, a, a bouncer in a bar. It was a second job. Cause he was trying to support his family. He'd wear a scapular outside of his shirt and he would, you know, jokingly refer to it as going fishing. Because, you know, inevitably during the night somebody would say, oh, what's that? What's that on your shirt? And then he would be able to talk about Our Lady of Mount Carmel and the power of the scapular and the Catholic faith. <laughs> so it's like, oh, that little visible witness. And then when that, what I love about what she said was when that door's open, oh, I'm going through a really hard time. Then she shares. Um, yeah. And, and she's had powerful encounters,
0: you know, and we're down to just our last minute here, Father. But she also said, I just hand over that rosary and I really just kind of leave it in the Holy Spirit's hands. And that's something that I think is key. You know, a lot of times we want that payoff if we're talking with somebody, but really leaving it in the Holy Spirit's hands and just saying, you know, it's it's you that's, that's doing the work here. It's not me. That That's so key.
2: It's so true. Yeah, it's, it's the Lord. And, and we've been talking about St. Paul. So, you know, he, he did not, he saw a lot of fruit, but he certainly could have never seen uh, the fruit that we see now. And, and he could have never imagined himself being called the greatest evangelist of all right. time. So <laughs> it's the parable. We plant the seeds and, or, you know, the Lord plants them through us and, and we leave the growth to him.
0: Well, Father Joe, we are uh, just about out of time here. But before we wrap up, could I ask you in our last 30 seconds here if you could offer all of our listeners a blessing as we conclude the hour?
2: Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary, your well-beloved spouse. Fill us, Holy Spirit, with the love of Christ that we might be impelled to share our faith Bless all of our listeners today, hear and answer their prayers. And may Almighty God bless all of you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Father Joe, for being our spiritual director for the hour here today. And of course, stay tuned, we have Matt's that's coming up next. Father Rocky is the celebrant, and then the faith explained right after that. And we'll hope to see you back here tomorrow on The Inner Life. Hope you have a wonderful afternoon.